0: Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, uh, welcome, a blessed welcome to Christchurch Jerusalem, to our evening Bible Study. It's great to be with everybody again. We are studying the book of Leviticus. We are delighted that everyone's joining. It's been a, we had a few days off. We are in chapter five. We acknowledge also that the Lord is present. We know that He's here. He's here with me here. We believe in an omnipresent God. So the Spirit is present wherever you are right now. Same Spirit uniting us all absolutely together as a community, although we are separated by time, space, countries, and, uh, and oceans. Um, and the Lord is present. So we want to acknowledge that. We do so, one way we do that is uh, is through prayer. And so, Vida, would you be able to lead us in prayer, acknowledging God's presence and blessing us for our study?
2: So, Father, we come before you in the beautiful name of your beautiful son, Lord Jesus. And, Father, we worship you and we praise you. What an honour and a privilege it is, Lord, to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And, Father, as we come before you, we ask you to please open our hearts to receive your word. Lord, teach us by your Holy Spirit. Guide us and strengthen us in this word. And Lord, bless Aaron. Thank you for his heart. And thank you for all the effort he puts in. And Father, I pray you would anoint him as he brings your word to us, Lord. And open our ears to hear and give us eyes to see and hearts to perceive and understand what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you very much. Um, I just noticed that uh, our brother Shimshon isn't. Oh, yes, you are here. Fantastic. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to welcome Shimshon publicly on the broadcast. Why? Because I received a bunch of emails, people concerned about you, brother, when they discovered that there was um, some building collapse in uh, Nigeria, in Lagos, and they were wondering, is Shimshon okay?
3: Yes, I'm okay. And um, it happened in Lagos. Um, Lagos is in the southern part of the country, um, quite a distance from where I am, but um, I'm good. Yeah, it's sad. It's a sad story. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, we're, we, we praise the Lord that you're well. We mourn with those who are mourning. Okay, so going over our notes from two weeks ago, a bit of a refresher course. We had managed uh, to to, to study the first six verses of Leviticus. It was a good discussion. Chapter 5. So here's a summary of the notes that I made during our discussion. The following verses deal with issues that fall under the category of the sin of omission. It's not enough simply not to tell lies. God also requires us to make the truth known if we know it. The judiciary responsibility lay with the priests and the Levites in ancient Israel. Thus, the court scenes that we are talking about all occur in the presence of the religious figures of the day. It was the obligation of someone who was a witness to come forward to testify of what they had seen or heard. To fail in faithfully representing and presenting the truth was to bear guilt and sin we must never let our silence be an affirmation of something that is indeed wrong we see something similar in the new testament should we be ashamed of jesus on earth then he will also be ashamed of us for his father in heaven interestingly the word used for the person who sins is nefesh which is the word for soul It implies something deep and serious. It is the soul that sins. Next, there was the issue of ceremonial uncleanness and the lack of awareness of being in a state of impurity. Becoming unclean, even though unaware of where or how one actually becomes unclean, is still a state of uncleanness. Ignorance is not bliss. The guilt here is ceremonial guilt and not moral guilt touching dead things transmits impurity just as holiness can be transferred so can impurity god is holy and his people who have his presence with them are also holy by extension coming into contact with death leaves the stain of death on you which you must never bring into the presence of god who is the antithesis of death he is Life itself. Once the uncleanness is realized, then the person has responsibility to address the issue. In our context today, we must deal with sin once we realize it. We still suffer from sin, whether we know it or not. But once it has become known, then we have the responsibility to deal with it through the work of the Holy Spirit. Moses then turns to oaths, which was serious business, for failure to keep an oath offended the Lord. A careless promise was still a promise before the Lord. The idea that words were of importance might come from the belief that the universe came into being through a spoken word. The issue here is the power of the tongue, a concept that is explored in the Gospels and in particularly the Epistle of James. Jesus would have our yes be yes and our no be no. He would like us to say what we mean and demean what we say. Words pass through the lips, but their origin comes from the heart. Moses then summarizes that when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty, either by the sin of omission, ritual uncleanliness, or with spoken oaths, the first thing to do was confession. It doesn't say to whom you should confess, but it assumes that somewhere in the chain of confession, the priests and Levites are involved. Confession has the implication that you would agree with the Lord that you have indeed sinned. It is also public. This also reflects the status of your heart before the Lord. The New Testament, likewise, calls upon the faithful to confess their sins before God in 1 John and to each other in James. Only after an awareness of one's wrongdoing could an offering be made offerings and sacrifices without confession and repentance were null and void. The offering was an animal sacrifice from among the sheep or the goats. No distinction is made between them. However, the animal had to be female. And I personally, in the last couple of weeks, could not find a satisfactory answer to why females, and what was wrong with male offerings. It's just one of those things of the text. If anyone has an idea, we might discuss it a little bit more today. All right, so let's go through the rest of chapter 5. I'm going to pick it up from verse 7. So this is after Moses has mentioned three different types of sins. The sin of omission, not saying uh, the truth when you know what the truth is, a um, uh, uh, Various types of ceremonial uncleanliness, which are uncleanness, uh, when in, coming into contact with dead animals or things, and uh, the the misspoken oath, then um, you make a confession and you bring an offering, which had to be from uh, an animal, a goat or a lamb. So in verse seven then says, but if the person cannot afford a lamb which was probably true of the majority of our community in Israel, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed two doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest who shall offer first the one for the sin offering. He shall wring its head from its neck, shall not sever it completely, He shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood is drained out at the base of the altar. It's a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering, according to the rule. And the priest shall make atonement for him, for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring to his offering for the sin that he has committed a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall pour no oil on it, shall put no frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. He shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of it as, uh, as its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, as the Lord's food offering is a sin offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed in any one of these things, and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be for the priest, as is in the grain offering. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy things, and he shall add a fifth to it. He will give it to the priest the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. If anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he didn't know it, and then he realises his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity, and he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock for its equivalent for a guilt offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. All right, so that's our little portion that we're going to wrestle with today. Okay, now,
3: it's been a couple of weeks,
1: but just on a little literal reading there, knowing that we're coming in with a couple of sins that we've had to deal with before. Is there anything there that stands out? You guys got any idea why it has to be female at the start? Aaron, one thing I didn't notice.
4: Is that yes, uh, whereas before you saw a difference between male and female offering, but here it says on the ignorant sin, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, it said if a soul, the sin is, and it's the same offering.
1: Yes, it is, that's right.
4: So why do you think that is? Surely the sin, the sin is the sin. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, the sin is the same.
5: Mm-hmm. Only God knows.
1: <laughs> okay that's that's how we come to the conclusion of every bible study up hands, amen. Hands. amen 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 and and we and we we'll get on with the rest of our natural life yeah <laughs> because we,
5: we couldn't because we couldn't find an answer
3: for a female
5: offering
0: what's the famous phrase the yeah we, we
3: we did talk about the we did talk about the peculiarity of the male offering because um it's not as um, common as the female um, sheep. I mean, um, when you are rearing an animal, you have more females than males. And so um, when it is now required for this scarce commodity, it's just like gold is scarce and we have to um, live up to it, you know, as a very essential, a very precious um, commodity. So um, I want to see it in that light.
6: and there's an interesting thought, too, like in Galatians 3.28, like there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I think, you know, the sexuality issue, you know, we all sin in agreement with what he had just said earlier. Could, could
4: the idea of of having a different offering for a, a man or a, or a woman be something to do with hierarchy, as in Lord Jesus is our covering, the man is the covering for the woman, etc. cetera? I, I have a problem when I say that because what happens if
1: you're not married? Yeah, no, fair enough. Good point. Or divorced afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. That's it's an interesting point.
3: But again, when we look at it, um, every of, other of the substitutes, like the pigeon, is not um, identified. It says um, you bring a female um, sheep, but if you don't have that, then you bring two turtle dove, but that is not... Um, the sex is not identified. Then, when it goes lower, it, it, I mean the grain. We don't have that. <laughs> we don't have sexes for the grains. So um, it, it's. Um, I, I just think it's only just for that peculiar
7: incidence.
1: Yep, it could be. It could be as simply as that. It could simply just be something like that. It's interesting for me that as when you're bringing an offering, if you're poor, and the majority of people, there was no way they could afford afford a lamb or a goat they're expensive commodities then most of them probably had pigeons and or flour which means that grain is exactly the same weight as an offering as a lamb and grain does not have a certain substance in it what is the substance it is lacking blood blood yes and so, we're, we're, you know, you often get this, this, this sort of idea that, you know, we've got to keep blood sacrifices and, the, you know, the, the temple was just a wash with a river of blood. More likely it smelled like pancakes, you know, is um, you actually had a lot more flour being, being offered. And it was because, remember, what was the first thing that the guy has to do once he realises he's actually offended the Lord?
7: Confess.
1: He has to confess is that remember the actual, the spirit of the law was always to come from your heart. Now, we we complicate it too much with rules. Now, we all do that. It's it's easy to throw stones at it from a house of glass, but we we all complicate um, our our faith with rules. But we've got to go down to the the base intention. The first thing you needed to do was have a heartfelt look and, and acknowledge Yes, I have actually sinned and I and which, which which means I'm agreeing with the Lord. I'm not gonna fight him. I'm not gonna say, no, nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my lawyer on this one and we're gonna go to court. It's uh it's no, I'm actually gonna stand before the Lord via a Kohen. Yeah, I'm gonna publicly come before Kohen. I'm gonna say, hey, Kohen, um, I've actually got something to say to God personally, and I'm gonna make my my confession. And only then can I bring before an offering, and it could be a simple flower because I'm maybe I'm not so rich. But um, I have a question: What happens if I am rich? Can I still bring flour or not? No, you cannot bring it. Okay, multi, unpack that one for me. But 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 equal weight, surely you know, grain's the same as an animal, is it not? Yeah,
5: but I think we have already talked about it that if a rich guy placed to be, you know. A poor guy he needs to bring something more than that, and he needs to prove that he's uh under a debt or something, so he cannot lie to God. well, he better not bring anything instead of bringing something wrong, right
7: <laughs> yeah, what
1: do you guys what does everybody else think
7: It's the intention from the heart that matters,
8: and if the intention is to give it give something that's cheap and you've got a lot of money, it's not reflecting very well on your um relationship with the Lord, is it?
4: right if if we think if we think of the widow of the mites or the two mites isn't it the same principle out of the uh, if we give out of our abundance what does it count unless it costs you something
1: right and so for rich people it's harder to give to the lord isn't that interesting because you have so much and you think okay when you're poor and you give, it hurts. But you give because you love God. You're going to give out of your poverty, and there's and that and all the sermons that you can all preach from the widow's mind. and you, and you and you and and the echoes of Yeshua when he turns around and says, "Gee, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for them to give till it till it hurts. It's hard." Yeah, and, and people are like, "Oh, but but rich people are blessed." Yes, they are blessings from heaven. But then uh, this this sort of idea that. If we're blessed from heaven. How, how much more are we going to have to turn around and love the Lord with everything that we have? So it's a yeah. tough one because most of us most of us come from the rich West where we are richer than Solomon, you know, from three thousand years ago. All right. Now there are a plethora of hands raised here, and I was not watching who was first. So who goes first?
5: I just want to give an example of a couple in the New Testament who lied to God, Hananiah and oh, yeah. Shapira, You know that, right? So they, yeah. they came to the apostles and they lied to them. It's like in, it's the same here. If you are a rich guy, then you shouldn't breathe flowers. Then what happens? You you basically die. <laughs> and we have seen it in the New Testament, you know.
1: Yep, that's Acts chapter 5.
7: Yes, yes.
5: yes. And there's no need to, uh, for lying to God, you know. You shouldn't lie. If you don't want to bring it, then you don't have to bring it. But don't lie
6: and it's an issue of faith right guys like so so the woman that brought her might she gave her all so she's trusting god completely with with her life versus just giving you know 50 cents a dollar 50 dollars. you know a rich person can give money without even blinking and not be affected right
1: yeah yep uh vida david whoever was there
2: i i just going to raise a question also on going to verse 15 and 16 because there it says that you give your sacrifice but it's to the, then you have to do it also with the estimation of the shekel of the silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And you also have to make amends for the harm. So it seems you have to bring your sacrifice, then something regarding with that sacrifice for the, the shekel of the temple. So I'm not really sure what that implies, but you also have to make restri- restitution for what you did to whoever you harmed.
1: Yes, so that yes, that, so that that um, special offering is slightly different to the, the the three previous ones we've grouped up. Probably why um, most of our translations have given it a separate heading. But yes, it seems like there's some sort of other offence that requires us not only to pay back to the Lord, but also to the person that we've offended, um, which seems like the right thing to do. But it's interesting that God would put it into His laws. To start off with. So this is how a just society actually behaves. Um because you don't just offend me when you hurt someone, says the Lord. You actually offend the person I created. Kind of want you to make them right too. In the New Testament, um is there anything that that jumps to mind when in relation to worshiping the Lord and having an offense with a brother? Before you go and have communion, you need to go and make it right. Yeah. So there's this there's this there's this sort of rule that goes all the way back to the beginning of uh, uh, getting people out of Egypt that I'm very concerned, not only with having a relationship with you, says the Lord. I, I, got, I, I want to have a relationship with you, but I also want to make sure that you're having a relationship with each other because I'm part of that relationship too. So um, we, we, we make um, a special uh, restitution there. Right. Okay, uh, Yvonne, you're next.
0: Yeah, um, you had said some things that caused that caught our attention. Um, For the unintentional, usually it's uh, when we're talking, you know, they have to, uh, chapter 4, verse 25, the blood goes on the horns of the altar. Same thing um, again with unintentional, verse 30, the blood goes on the horns of the altar. Now, Unintentional for somebody that can't afford a lamb, for, and not not the mingha, but just the meat in terms of the animals. If you can't afford a lamb with the with the birds, it's now the difference is it doesn't go on the horns of the altar. So there's a differentiation in terms of the animals and where the blood goes. But now it goes on the side of the altar. So I'm wondering why why that. No,
1: there, there does seem to be different types of ceremony um there may be a meaning to the lord there may just be
0: um yeah so that's one thing that caught my attention and the other one is that it's it says he shall bring verse 8 he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer the one so there's an order there's an order first it's for the hata for the sin and then uh you know that and then the, the for the other one for the burn so first you know this whole thing of confession right so first
7: yeah and first then the yeah, thing. and then
0: so first you deal with the sin, the chata, and then you can rise up and worship and praise. And then
5: yeah. there was an order in the temple time, yeah, there was
0: an
7: order. So that's very oh. interesting.
1: Yeah, deal with your sin and then praise the Lord, mm-hmm. deal with your relationship with your brother, and then come to the Lord. There's this like this pattern that sets mm-hmm. up. Um, many times in our communities, if we're honest, we break the pattern. Mm -hmm. We're so concerned about, you know, how me and Jesus are getting on that we've forgotten that God's also concerned about how we are getting on. And and he wants to dwell within a community that's in unity,
7: Mm -hmm.
1: and not one that's divided, not one that doesn't look like him, one that doesn't act like him, you know. And uh, so we've got a a bunch of people, all individuals, all sitting in our corner, all worshipping the Lord, all thinking we're doing really well. You know, and God's in heaven going, when are you guys going to get together? I mean, why did I make you people so that you could all live in, in your corner of your roof? No, that you could actually be together. I, I want to come and join you people. And, um, and, and that, sort of, that sort of idea even runs through all these little rules. Remember, here we have a community that's left Egypt. God is trying to set up a society that's going to reflect his character Reflect his heart, reflect his, uh, his love and adoration for the world and for the people. And, and so even in the minutiae, you mm. somehow find the Lord. And for me, it's, it's always been great to go, God treats you know, rich and poor alike. If mm. you're poor, you still have access to the Lord. Even you know if that, the only yeah, thing yeah. you have is a little piece of flour, and you, you can come. And the rich man? You bring your animal. You got a lot. So you know, and share, share that animal with the poor person. You're not going to be a roll anyway.
0: And, and it's interesting, Lazarus or Lazarus and the and the uh, the rich man, right? When we oh whether it's a parable or whether that's mm-hmm. I mean, he the you know the rich man didn't have a name, but the poor man had a name. <laughs> so. Yes,
1: and 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 there's Jesus, you know, adding his friend into his sermon. You Know, yeah. like, like a typical Pentecostal preacher these days, you know, talking about his family and his friends and his sermons. You know, I could just imagine Lazarus standing off to the side going, What me again? Oh, come on, pick on Peter. You know, it's like, <laughs> not fair, it's like, yeah. but uh, yeah, Lazarus got uh, got included, yeah, yeah. and
2: got a name, yeah, yeah, Aaron. That 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 passage that you're thinking of, I think, is it Matthew 18
6: 15 through 18? Yes. Yeah.
7: That, yes. uh,
6: So it's interesting because moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. So exactly what you're saying, You're, you're making peace between you guys. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear church, the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So it's interesting to Marty's point that, you know, like God takes it very seriously. Like you're saying, the 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 unity in the body and you know, to the point of death for Ananias and Sapphira, right? Like Yeah. No lying, no, you know, having breaks between you guys. And it's hard. Like if somebody else doesn't say sorry or you know, and you you know, but you, if you're offended, you go, you see, and tell him his fault, not wait for yep. him to come to you. It's very interesting.
1: It is oh. that 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 yeah. The New Testament's a really puts some some of these things you know upside down on its head. Um here the the sin has to be once it's recognized it has to be acknowledged and owned. Then you deal with it. You still suffer consequences from it, but you got know, you got to deal with it. Too many times in our in, in our life today we all do. We um uh we sweep sin under the under the cu- counter uh, under the under the rug mm-hmm. and and, and that's actually really harmful. Now, we could probably all bring out lots of examples, but just to say that too much of the, of the believing world today has um, ignored um, the consequences of an unconfessed, unresolved sin. Yes. And, 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 and so actually one of the blessings that you find, even in some of this, you know, blood guts and gore and sweet cakes, is that God says, listen, we need to deal with this not going to leave it unresolved, is actually quite harmful. So let's just deal with it. Let's, let's let's confess. Let's get together. And if you're as poor as rocks, you're still going to make yourselves good. And away we go. Because I actually value speech. I think mean, that's pretty important. I value cleanliness in terms of purity. And I value uh, true witness. You know, I don't want you not to preach the truth. Right? I mean, yeah, that's... You know the, the sin of omission. Imagine a church that doesn't share the gospel. We believe in the gospel, but we're never going to say it to anybody because that might offend someone. So we'll just say nothing. Well, that's actually the same as the sin of omission. That's not bringing a testimony when you know that that actually you should. And uh, and right up front in Leviticus five, God says that's actually you know you have got to deal with that, and um, and 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 we should. So David or Vida. Uh, Aaron, yes, I've got a, I've got a kind of a weird
4: question. As uh, a sort of clarification, when I think of Abraham in Genesis fifteen, where the Lord God makes a covenant with him, he 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 he's, he divides certain animals, but he does the same thing with like the turtle doves as we're doing in 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 Leviticus, right? And uh, whereas in Leviticus we see the bird split, we see the others in. Abraham in Genesis 15, we see a covenant being made here with dead animals, right? Sort of sacrificed animals, but without blood, right? We see that in Leviticus, sacrifice of animals with blood and a bird being split. I see. And here we have in Leviticus a confessing of sins or, or a remission of sins, whereas with Abraham, it was a covenant. Where's the connection? What is the connection
1: here? If that makes any sense. It probably does. My first response is I'm not quite sure. I'm going to open it up to the floor while I contemplate my answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a big concept. Anyone, anyone want to give it a go? Okay. The, the parting of the, uh, of the animals, the walking of fire, which is a covenant of Abraham and God and the land. Is that right?
7: Yes. A,
3: yes? Yeah. If I just give it a go... Um, I believe that in, in, in Genesis 15, um, in, the, in the dividing of the pieces, um, in the covenant of the pieces as it's normally referred to, is um, God describing um, an, and, uh, a covenant of the land to Abraham. It's not actually dealing with sin as we are trying to deal with uh, in, this, um, um, in Leviticus 5 where we're reading now. So God was teaching him and showing him things that will um, be more practicable for, for, for them to understand about um, what they're about to go in, of course, into this covenant. And um, if you see in that covenant, um, it was only the, the, the torch that went in between the, covenant, in, in between the pieces, showing that um, it's God that is taking the covenant because um, whoever passes in between the pieces and does not keep his stems of the covenant, the, the judgment is going to be what happens to the animals, we happen to the person. So Abraham was not um, going to walk through it. God was going to walk through it, just like Yeshua went through the, the cross for us, you know, he bore the sins of the world. So in that case, we see uh, in that covenant, God was um, telling Abraham is that I'm going to keep this covenant. Um, even when your descendant fail, even if you fail, I'm going to keep this covenant. Um, but here, I think we're dealing more with sin and um, how to be restored back to God. Because we remember when we were starting this book, we we realized that the the theme of this schiastic structure of Leviticus is about holiness. It's about bringing us one with God again. Uh, you know, um, like. Um, Ariel made us to understand that the word atonement was actually coined from that word, one with God, you know, at one with God, you know. And um, it, it really, um, all the atonement is supposed to bring us back to God, and that's what we're trying to achieve. Thanks um, for, for saying that. And the reason why I, I am mean, thank
1: you for that is because, um, if I can, segue into um, these, at the end of these offerings, the, the 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 little sort of mantra comes up. The priest will make atonement, okay, from the verb lechaper, but also, and he shall be forgiven. So there's there's a forgiveness aspect and this 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 atonement, this lechaper aspect. So and it comes under the umbrella of. Holiness. This idea that God is holy, and the people that that with that have the presence of God, that by extension, when He touches them, are also going to be holy. We're meant to be a holy people. So we're meant to look act, reflect, behave in a in a in a certain way. And when we don't, it's going to have um, negative implications towards the Lord. But here, um, uh, as part of this this holiness um, aspect. Um, Get, and, and, get, and, and that we have to deal with these sins and uncleanliness, of which is not a sin, it's just a ceremonial um, cleanliness, that where, where there's something about death and life, right, where that reflects the character. God, as the God of absolute life, cannot handle the presence of death. I like, Just don't bring that stuff in front of me. None of it is in heaven. I don't have death in heaven. No one dies in heaven. Okay? Not 100 sure what we eat up there, but we'll work it out when we get there. Okay.
6: Fruit
1: from the tree. Okay, fine. We're all vegetarians. Fantastic. You know, Greta Thunberg's going to be absolutely ecstatic with us. But uh, someone should tell her the gospel, by the way. Um, so, so let, let's let's this is for a brief moment. Let's have a little discussion on forgiveness because that's what's going to happen, right? At the end of this text, it says you will be forgiven, not you will be forgiven if. Okay. You confess. You do this thing. You get forgiven. Okay, fantastic, check, check. Okay, Excellent. But also, there's this other thing: this this um, this lecha uh, per to make an atonement. So, um, Arya, you've done a little bit of study, I know, and I know I'm putting you a bit on the spot here. But the verb to cover. What are some of the implications uh, in terms of you know um, perhaps a little bit of uh, biblical um, theology
9: on on the idea of Uh, atonement? Well, I'm uh, probably not able to cast too much light on the usage of the term in this passage. My focus focus has been on how to translate this terminology and understand it in certain New Testament terminology. And it is a line of meaning going from Hebrew into the Septuagint Greek and then into the New Testament Greek. I don't know that I could offer too much that would cast light on the current text right now, and I'm actually personally listening with interest, uh, waiting and uh, expecting and believing that the Lord is uh, revealing.
1: Okay, Uh, we're all going to do it. Can I just ask a question? Can you have a look at the Septuagint translation for this? So for those that might be listening or might not know, okay, Septuagint Greek is a... Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, there were two translations made before before the advent of Jesus. We had um, an Aramaic translation and a Greek translation. So in each case, what we discover is people are looking at the Hebrew text, they're wrestling with its theology, just like we are, and they are trying to figure out what Greek word, what Aramaic word can I use that adequately reflects the meaning that I think it means right now, just like we do in English. When an English translator has to wrestle with these texts, he's got to go, well, what English word, what English phrase can I use that um, makes sense to my readers or the the people how I want to convey the message? And if it was that easy to go from word to word, we'd only have one translation of the Bible. Well, we don't. Um, We have a lot. And just about every language has multiple translations.
9: Have you got it there, Aria, at all? Yes, it's a a variation on the uh, more commonly used. The Hebrew, uh, the Septuagint typically translates lechapeh with exilaskomai, which we don't in fact have in the New Testament. We have a cognate from it, hilaskomai, which is similar, but it's only used for two, in its Old Testament sense in one passage, which is in Hebrews describing using the most mosaic terminology and imagery of Jesus making atonement for the heavenly altar and temple, which doesn't apply directly to what he did literally and physically, but it's an, an imagery that is interesting. This is Exilacetai, um, and it's very, very close. It's not the standard. It's It's not the more common usage in the Old Testament. I'd have to think and parse this a little bit but I don't have any insights to offer from this particular word right now. But that's
1: something that we might have to, and I think that we will wrestle through this as we go through um, Leviticus, especially heading up into the the middle bit in the christic format, which is chapter 19. Uh, and then we'll hopefully get a better understanding of
9: what we think the word atonement uh, means. Well, I think uh, I'm having coming back to me repeatedly uh, in terms of, uh, what are the exact dynamics of what's going on here? I always go back to Hebrews, yeah. and Hebrews tells us it's impossible for the blood of goats and bulls to take away sin. Hmm. So it, it's not the sacrifice itself that is the mechanism that's working here. There is a uh, an overall picture of a breakage of relationship or harmony of creation, or uh, in somewhere or another that is being made whole. But it's not, and, and as we see very nicely in this current passage. It's not the blood itself, because the, uh, as Aaron calls it, the pancake reaches uh, achieves the same the same goal. <laughs> and I guess we could also say pan- pancakes do not take away sin either. That's right. It's a you have to you like you have to
1: you have to um uh, you have to confess first. And Hebrews has this fantastic thing where it keeps saying you had to keep. The, the, the sin kept coming back. So you had to keep offering more animals. It just, you know, it was this never-ending cycle. And not only that, the priest eventually died. So you had to kind of get some new priests as well, you know, and the temple kept getting destroyed. So you kind of had to get another one of them as well, you know.
9: The overall message, though, is pretty clear. Uh, sin is not a good thing. It's a no, disruptive it's not. factor with God, with community. Yeah, we have to make it right and then we can all go along our way. I mean, whatever whatever's going on with particulars of these sacrifices, the overall message is pretty clear. Yeah, that's right. Sin sin is, sin is not positive and
1: there's lots of different types we're going to deal with it, but confession and there is still hope. You do get forgiven. So it's not like you're going to be burdened constantly, you know, crawling in the sand going, "Oh no, I have sinned against the Lord. I am damned for all eternity." Um no, there is an assurance of forgiveness. And uh, for some of us who, who go to liturgical churches, um, one of the um, high points or blessings in the service is where uh, the priest or deacon gets up and he just reminds the people, you actually have the assurance of forgiveness through the blood of the Messiah. You know, some people do come to, to worship the Lord. They've oh, they got a bit of baggage, a little bit of burden. And sometimes there's been some of us, and it is the it is the the joy to turn around and say no, depart in peace. You have the assurance of forgiveness. Messiah has died. Messiah is risen. Messiah will come again. Um,
6: that's that's the passage I had pulled up actually. You guys, that was in Hebrews nine that I was going to mention, and it's really a powerful verse. You know, so Hebrews nine verse eleven. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of his creation, this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goat, bulls and goats in the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So just stop for a second, like the concept that, you know, this is to cleanse your, you know, conscience from dead works. This
9: is, is like- an extremely, extremely important and central New Testament point that I believe most of us lose. Mm-hmm. Sin is inscribed not in God's uh, hall of records because he does not record his sin. He specifically says it in different passages of Scripture. It is recorded in our conscience, and it is our conscience that needs to be cleansed. And and it is the truth of Christ that allows that conscience to be cleansed by his spirit.
1: Yep, And you can see it also in its initial stages here in Leviticus. What's the first thing you do once you actually realize your guilt? Correct. You don't deny it. you got to get rid of it. You've got to, it's got to be part of your yin It's got to be part of your soul. It's got to be part of your intention. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, re- sacrifice without repentance is useless.
2: I love what Eriye and um, Sharon have read from Hebrews because it's so clear to me that, in a sense, all that we're reading through in Leviticus could never really take away the sin although they although they were being done um you know it and we had to do these sacrifices and they had to do them the key thing was it was imagery to a degree of looking towards Christ that would eventually take away those sins just like now we look back at what Christ did and in all of that this confession and humbling yourself before God and admitting that we need salvation we need a savior we cannot do it and so Mm -hmm. I think this is it, it, to me, it's just fascinating. This this Hebrews is really central to me is to really get a, just a glimpse and a grasp of trying to really comprehend what God is through His Spirit really inferring through these laws in Leviticus because it's, it's just fascinating.
5: So I just want to say that I agree with Arya for the very first time. Surprise! <laughs> uh, <laughs> how does that sound? So just kidding. I think I'll have to work harder next time. No, no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, Arya, you are right. I think all these rituals and all these korbanot were given to Jewish people to teach them how to confess their sins by humbling themselves, by bringing a korbanot from all the way back from their homes to the temple. How do we know that? Uh, Because we don't have a temple now. We don't have this uh, kohanim uh, authority anymore. But every single Jewish person... uh, religious or not religious, know how to confess their sins and how to repent. Or at least they know that they have to repent for their sins because of the scriptures we have now. We don't have a temple for a very long time, but if you just meet with a Dati or a Hiloni, they all know that if they have a sin, if they believe in God, first of all, and
8: they know they have
5: to confess, they have to uh, repent. And that's why I like the scriptures. And, and we know that it it is not super necessary because we live with, without it for 2000 years almost, you know. If it was uh, super necessary to uh, do the Korbanot, God probably would have already given us a temple, but he didn't give us a temple. And I agree with the New Testament uh, theology now uh, that it was to show us, you know, not to it wasn't the main point, actually that's that's what we misunderstood, and Yeshua was trying to teach us that the the what was the scripture he says, "I require what was it mercy not not a sacrifice, something like that
7: yeah
9: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. said <laughs> yeah, yeah
10: along the lines of what you just said it's not the point, so maybe we should look at the big picture and not just twenty five percent of the big picture we always focus on forgiveness of sin forgiveness of sin all of christianity is about forgiveness of sin what's the whole point of the whole bible trying to teach us is to get back into a covenant with the father we're out of covenant with him and so in hebrews because i don't disagree with any of y'all but we're still looking at it from a microscopic uh angle Yeshua dies for a covenant. He is the blood covering of a covenant. It's in Hebrews eight ten, and we should read it because it's the Brit Hadashah. It is the new covenant that comes from Jeremiah. But you have to look at the whole covenant. Yes, forgiveness is sin, of sin is there. It's in the last sentence. I'll forget your inequities and forgive your sin. But you have to look at the whole thing. You can't come before the Father unless you're forgiven of sin. But there's more to it than that. And that's what all the rest of Leviticus is about, yeah, and these and, other instructions. Yeah. Right and so all we do is focus on this minute thing, even though it is as big as anything. We have to put the whole picture there together.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm going to just put in a my little two shekels worth onto this as well, and and it aligns a little bit with what you're saying here, Roddy, is that sometimes we focus so much only on. The judicial part of our faith. Messiah died, died for our sins. Now you're clean. That's it. Like, well, yes. But if that's the only thing you're focusing on, you have, I think you've missed the point. You are oh, yeah. so right. We get back into covenantal relationship with the Lord, walk with the Lord. And, um, and, and this sort of idea that, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and he still stayed on the planet for 40 days teaching. He didn't just walk around and go. Okay, oh, I'm done. I'm out of here. No, I, there's there's things we have to learn. There's things we've got to do. There's things we have to how we have to behave and live because I want to live with you. I want to talk with you. I want to I want to walk with you. I want us to actually act act out our, our relationship together. So I think that there's um. Can I
6: jump in real quick? Uh, the Sharon, uh, go ahead. The thing is, it's just yeah, like so. Just to continue on from this whole same reading section, it's exactly what you guys are all saying and 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 agreeing with um of Roddy there that verse 15 goes on to say after that first section we read and for this reason he Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant Mm -hmm. by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance for where there is a testament there must also be necessity of the, the, the death of the testator for a testament is in force after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testator lives therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood right in general okay but see here's where he talks about it so in verse 19 for when moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and goats with water scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant which has got which god has commanded you then likewise you know to roddy's point right then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry and according to the law almost all things are purified with blood and without shedding of blood there's no remission it's so powerful like
1: Yep. unless you've only got a pancake
3: yeah and erin if i can just put this in because when we look at the word forgiveness or atonement um in the hebrew is um it's like we call the day of atonement yom kippurim is actually means to cover um and um you know the, the Psalm of david that just come to me is some 32 that say happy is the one whose um, sins is forgiven whose i mean one, happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sins is covered you know, and verse two kind of explains it to say, happy is the man who the Lord does not hold guilty. So the idea that anyone sins, and when he discovers, he becomes guilty. But when he confesses it, the Lord does not hold him guilty anymore. That's the difference with um, David and um, and um, Saul. When, when David sinned, he, you know, and um, Nathan, came to describe a sin for him, he immediately said, I have sinned. It's a way of confessing. He, said, he, had, he admitted that he has sinned. And what did Nathan say immediately? Your sins are forgiven mm-hmm. because of that confession. I mean, he has not done any sacrifice. He has not done anything. Correct. He just said, I, I have sinned. And, you know, and that was very powerful there. Yes. On the on Yom
1: Kippur, the book, the scroll that is read on Yom Kippur to this day, is 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 the Book of Jonah, and in that book, it's the Ninevites who repent, and they do so without sacrifice, and they're gentiles, and the and the only person who runs around doesn't repent, is the prophet himself.
8: <laughs> he,
1: just,
10: he just sits under a tree and gets really upset that no one was destroyed no, no. <laughs> if everybody will think about it this way if you um believe that Yeshua is the son of God he is God in the flesh and he dies for forgiveness of sin and that's all you believe that you're forgiven of sin and that's all it takes Are you still gonna be in a covenantal relationship with the father? Okay, I accept him as dying for my sins and that's it. I don't have to do anything else whatsoever. I don't have to respond. I don't have to live my life in any way, shape or form. Uh, It's a complete uh, package. Just because you're forgiven of sins doesn't mean you're gonna be there with the creator. If you never do anything that your spouse likes, how long will the marriage last? Five years, 10 years, 15? Uh, don't give it that long. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. These are things we should consider. Okay. Teresa about- has, a, has
1: a raised hand. And then after that, I am going to read uh, to the community what's in the chat by Andrew, which does raise an interesting question, which is uh, who's actually conferring atonement here? is it the priest or is it the sacrifice is it the intention where does that all all come about which is very interesting we'll have a little discussion but Teresa, uh london's going to speak
8: (laughs) i don't know about london yeah um i just want to have a quick comment and that is following on from what roddy was saying i mean we've said it before but our lives matter you know how we live our life we're saved in order or we're delivered in order to walk aren't we to walk after yeshua so I think that there is a very tight relationship between both. That was all I wanted to say.
1: Yeah, no, it's a very good thing. And um, there's a guy in the community at Christchurch. He's actually part of um, Kaspari Centre, a guy called Baruch Kavaznika, who's doing his PhD research, I wish he would finish, on halakha in the New Testament, how you actually walk out your faith. You know, what does that actually look like, that... um, uh, which is a very interesting uh, term, and and i'm just I'm hoping that you actually will publish it soon and and get it out there, but okay, I'm going to just read um what Andrew wrote, uh, which is our brother from um South Africa, and he says, Does the sacrifice confer atonement, which is a good question because the actual text says the priest makes atonement. This is after right, confession, and before you get this thing called uh, and he shall be forgiven you know, of a process but which bit is it that actually makes the covering and uh it seems that the priest makes atonement which makes me think about aaron's point that jesus was the passover lamb remember the passover lamb the angel of death uh avoids the house he passes over he sort of a covering by the blood uh and 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 we call him the passover lamb not the yom kippur sacrifice because remember it's yom HaKippurim in hebrew it's plural which sacrifice in Yom Kippur you actually trying to work, work out that he, that he is. Um, the sacrifice seems more like a gift, acknowledging sin. And, yeah, that could be, could be the way to look at it is that uh, as part of the relationship, um, this was a way for teaching, that the confession was the big bit. Yeah. But, yep, the confession was the big bit, and now you've got this relationship and now I'm going to still give to the Lord. As part of my relationship, but um, it's not the thing that's that's uh, that's sealing the deal, so to speak.
6: Sure. Um,
1: although exactly. it's part of the journey.
7: Yeah.
6: Yeah, like the concept that it's the copies of it, right? So the verse goes on to say in verse twenty-three, same chapter. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the things the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He would then uh, have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he's appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this to face judgment, so, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Yeah. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So,
1: yeah, I, to salvation, which is a very interesting term, you know? like are you not already saved? Interesting. interesting but but, but what,
4: what Sharon is pointing out, if you read the last verse there, it points out to what Roddy was saying. Yeah. There's, there's motion here in your faith. You are yeah. moving forward because the last verse says in, in, in that Hebrews ch- uh, chapter that for those who eagerly await and look for his yep. coming. The implication is we are moving forward with the Lord. Yeah.
1: And the salvation, there's more in terms of rescue from the, the parent age as opposed to trying to get saved again, although he does use the same, same word. Um, it's interesting that the Hebrew says it's appointed all men to die once. You know? Yeshua had to die once to make this work. <laughs> it's an interesting thought.
6: And, and no reincarnation?
1: No. Yes. No, no Go
10: back to the picture of the Exodus. It's a four stage process at a minimum. What do you mean by
1: that? Unpack that. Do you mean like the redemption from Exodus, Uh, from Egypt?
10: First, first, without them doing anything, not even believing or knowing the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he redeems them and brings them out. Right. Then he makes them clean. Then he tells them how to come into a relationship with him. So this is a process. Mm -hmm. And he starts it off by a free gift, freely given, that we did nothing for. But what then? What do we do next? It's a process.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's right. Is salvation
10: an event or a process? It's both. Work
0: yeah. out your it's salvation with fear and trembling. With
1: fear and trembling. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And wouldn't it be nice if we had a little bit more holy fear and trembling in our communities? <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Um, all right. So um, looking at uh, I mean, the, the way we've been discussing the, the passage is not so sort of kind of verse by verse, but you know, theme by theme, which I think has been very helpful. So, there anything else that someone would like to, to uh, suggest for a further discussion in terms of um, uh, recognition of a sin, admitting and then dealing with a sin through confession, then the involvement of somebody known as a priest who has a special office, using, uh, involving a sacrifice of a gift which may or may not contain blood. Let's all be one hundred percent true. If you're poor and you cannot offer something with blood, it's still of the exact same weight, which I th- which is a which is a real a real a real blessing. And um, uh, and then and then you you get this thing called the atonement, the covering, and um, and forgiveness. But it obviously doesn't last because you'll be doing it again which is going to lead up into things like Hebrews. Then you get this uh, uh, small break at verses 14 to the end of the chapter 19, where it it seems to discuss a a different type of sin, um, which is a breach of faith, but it's an unintentional sin. So reading verse 14, the Lord says to Moses, saying, if someone commits a breach of faith, and sins unintentionally in the holy things of the lord any idea what he means by that but it's an unintentional sin well
5: it's a good question because later on it says if somebody misuses god something belongs to god what does that mean like somebody takes the shekel and buys pancakes and then
1: says (laughs) oops (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yvonne you had a comment on that one
0: yeah um i guess uh the thing that caught my attention was um, verse sixteen or fifteen. He, it's unintentional of the holy things. Then he, for whatever it, that might be, he he brings compensation and uh, flock and values of shekels and uh, so so. He, there's an understanding eventually of what he does. Verse seventeen, again, he sins unintentionally. Uh, but here it's a violation of the Lord's commandments, and he doesn't know what he did, although he doesn't know what he so he doesn't know what he does, but he brings he brings in a ram um from the flock, there's no monetary value, there's no like shekels there's no like he doesn't know exactly what like the one is the holy things for some reason he you might know what that is, but the other one is that he, it's against the Lord's commands, but he doesn't know what, so you so you don't know what, so how can you bring a, a monetary value, like going by the halaha, if you don't exactly know which of those commandments you, you trespassed, and so there's kind of like this general offering of of the animal, and then that, the, the, the holy thing of, of, the first one, when you had mentioned the holy things, it just brought me to First Corinthians, and I was just thinking, you know, when he talks about um, is it first Corinthians chapter three, he says, let me find it here, my Bible. Um, Do you not know that you're God's temple and that the God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point. Let's remember what Shimshon reminded us about an hour ago. The context of Leviticus is holiness. And there are lots of things that are holy, anything that's attached to God and his name is holy. God's name is holy. The Sabbath is holy. The people of God are holy. That includes us. The land of God is holy. The temple of God is holy. And there are holy things. And, and, uh, and what you are reading, Yvonne, is the temple of God, us, is also holy. And you can do something against these holy things even unintentionally, and um, and that hurts the Lord, uh, that, that is, is is classified as a sin, and then that needs to be dealt with as well. Again, it's unintentional, but when you discover what you've done, then comes the burden of responsibility. Now that you've understood, okay, I've done something wrong, you've actually come up with a choice. I now have a choice. Do I want to ignore? that? Shall I sweep it under the rug? Shall I lie? Shall I hide? Shall I, however I might want to react, or shall I honestly face the truth
7: Mm -hmm.
1: and have my opportunity to come before the Lord, come before his priests or whatever, and and make restitution, make the relationship right. And so there's this, um, there there is a a choice in the matter. You don't Mm -hmm. Have to do it even if you're poor and can only bring flour. Yeah, have to. The priest isn't going to chase you. This is, uh, this is part of your worship, this is part of your personal relationship that you have with God. Okay, uh, multi, you got a hand up?
5: Yes, I just like to say something about the value of this uh, sacred silver shekel. Um, I think we studied it in Exodus chapter 30 and verse uh, 13. Hazan Ish calculates two shekels as 38.4 grams of silvers. And that's the second shekel uh, that he needs to bring in in verse 15. And I also like to say something about this guilt offering in case of a doubt. That's what Yvonne said. Uh, It's called Asham Taluy meaning a guilt offering in case of a doubt that uh, somebody does not know if he uh, commits a sin or not. And this Asham Chalu protects him from punishment as long as the facts remain in doubt. But if he, you know, after bringing this offering, if he learns that he had indeed sinned, he would be required to bring a khatas, you know. Then mm-hmm. it just keeps him in safe, you know. It's like it's, yeah.
0: <laughs> just in uh, case. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I'll cover. Yeah, cover my yeah cover my.
5: Yeah.
0: my yeah.
5: And it, in case, in this case, you see a silver shekel is was very it was a very expensive thing. You know, 38.4 grams is a lot for a shekel now. So he had to bring it too. Well, I still don't know how could somebody misuse the shekels of God. I mean, I don't think so, uh, people were allowed to touch it. Maybe this applies to Kohanim. I don't
1: well, know. Well, what are the holy things of God? You know, I think they're, they're probably more than what we think that they are. Yeah. I think by extension, you and I are the holy things of God as well. Yeah, that could be um, one way of looking at it. But it could also be very physical things too, right? You know, mm. Obviously, you don't want to um, run into a, uh, a community and start burning their Torahs. I do think yeah. that's a really good thing. You know? um, yeah. Um,
5: yeah. Yeah. Rashi Rashi says uh, if if a person changed the particular article's status from sacred to unsacred, you know, it's also applies okay, to yeah. this one. So so you don't know why there it's
1: there it says okay, yeah. T- this is dedicated to the Lord, but then turning around and saying, well, I'll just use it for myself. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, hang on a second. Yeah, so that that's sounds very dangerous.
5: dangerous to me. I but think, it all yeah. comes
1: down to the intention of the heart, you know? If you actually were giving something to the Lord, it's done. Why yeah, it's Why gone. are you really asking for it back all of a sudden, you know?
5: Um, it's done and it's gone. And,
1: yeah, <laughs> done and it's gone. Sh- Shimshon, Nigeria.
3: I, I think one of the holy things of God that we're looking at is things like titan. Um, it, it doesn't come on the um, mishpat where you can sin against your brother or your neighbor, but when you don't do your tithing, um, you are sinning against God. Um, it's one of the holy things of God. You know, he says you take the tithe out of your house uh, because it's a holy thing that you take it to the storehouse. And once we don't do it, because when you go down, it says, you shall add one fifth to it. And we, we know later on when you read, um it it tells you that um the tithing when you don't give it at the time then when you discover you you add one fifth to it so i believe that some of these um things that is being referred to here does not have a direct impact with our neighbors um unlike what we were to do it i'm talking about before i mean we sin against god but it had a direct impact maybe um, we steal or we, we we lie, but it has a direct impact on our neighbors. But now we see that it's having a direct impact just with our relationship with God. It's not affecting our neighbors, and so when we realize it, then we need to make that um, restitution, and um, and and um, and our guilt will be forgiven. That's what I believe it's talking about
0: and it's like the great it's amazing it's the grace of god because even though he doesn't know exactly what he did um in that second sin as even by him making atonement bringing the animal he says here he shall be forgiven so i think that's so wonderful like you don't know exactly what you did there's something there
7: <laughs> you bring
0: an animal and then eventually if you get you know if you find out what it is you bring right, the right the the equivalent shekel um the value in shekels, but if you don't and you still bring it, you're you're going to be forgiven. So right. it's it's grace from... It's you know. grace.
1: Yes, there's actually a lot of grace in this passage because God wants a restored relationship. And part of that, initial part of that restored relationship is your own personal acknowledgement of sin. Confession, which is from your heart, and then it might involve restitution for a hurt brother which you'll pay a little bit more, you'll, you'll make amends with your brother too, and, uh, but there will also be a restitution with God, which I think is a great little piece of grace. And, and once again, I'll always bring it up, you know, the poor included, uh, although this last section does not have the option of going a bit lower in terms of um, there's, there's no, it, it, it just, it's a ram, it's a very expensive sacrifice. So it seemed to imply a rather severe sin, which might imply that, that it really has something to do with holy objects as opposed to just stum hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a very expensive sacrifice, which most people could not have access to in doing this. Your average poor person could mm-hmm. not get a rap. It's not going to happen. But the pattern is there, the intention uh, is there. Okay, there are three hands raised. I did not see the order. As moderator of the event, I shall still keep <laughs> Okay. okay. Uh, and the reason is because Shimshon had, had, had put in a point, which is a good point, that John, the, the Gospel of John, which loves to make, uh, in typical Jewish fashion, we connect stuff from all over the Bible. Okay? He connects the Passover lamb with the forgiveness of sins, which can be inferred in Yom Kippurim. That's true. Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. However, when I read that, I also read that Yeshua says this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. And the new covenant is Jeremiah 31. And Jeremiah 31, it says at the end of that little passage, when I'm going to write the Torah on your hearts, I will remember their sins no more. It has nothing to do with a feast or a festival. And there's actually no sacrifice. And so I, I, I personally happen to think that that's, that's the way John is, John's connecting that. If He is the Passover lamb, 100% true, but he also is the mediator of a new covenant, which is going to involve sins no more. Right? Amen. That Amen. was
6: the verse that I was going to bring out, actually, Aaron, if I can throw it in there because it goes along with what you just said, that, yeah. that Hebrews 10, 16, that this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. Yeah. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will add their things that will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. So you see, we don't have to do it anymore, right? You're right. clean and pure, like you were saying a minute ago.
1: Yeah. Okay, so, multi, you're up. And then I'm going to go, Vitor or David, and Thank then you. Canada is going to speak. Wow, look at that.
5: I just want to ask Shimshon. Shimshon, do you know the reason why they had to add a fifth to it, you know, when they take something you know do you know why no why because of the high inflation (laughs) here it's an explanation that uh, uh, shifra says if he took an item valued at four shekels he would pay five back so i'm thinking now you know, living in these high inflation times, maybe that's that's the reason. Maybe that was the reason at that time. Oh uh,
7: yeah.
5: <laughs> the value I of think... the shekel probably went down immediately after the dollar or something like that.
3: you've been um, you've been watching the stocks and the <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise,
5: no, otherwise
9: nobody was watching his math was wrong. It's four eighty.
7: <laughs>
9: <laughs> well, you know, otherwise,
5: otherwise otherwise that means our god likes interest
7: in right. and, you know, i
10: can
1: just imagine the I guy's got his abacus it. out and he's going see now look isn't it amazing when i
2: move this over here you actually owe me two more shekels it's incredible <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so um
2: I was just going to say, Erin, we're talking about direct sin. You know, you do something against somebody, you do something against God. But there's also something we very, um, we also very prevalent in our church today. We do this so often. It's tolerance. Um, we tolerate mm. sin. We don't right. do it ourselves, but we actually tolerate, let's say, homosexuality in our church. We'll go to a church where they preach it, for example. Let's say um, ch- changing Genders or something, we don't really speak against it in the church. We quiet, so we tolerate. We don't agree with it ourselves. We don't do it, but we let it happen in our midst. And I think that also is a sin that we don't really cover. But and the Bible, I think, also includes that as sin.
1: Thanks for saying that, Vita, because that's I think part of the what we see in this in Leviticus five. We're meant to be a holy people. Yeah. God is holy and he wants his people to be holy. He wants us to reflect and he and, and and he says, if you see, if you if you know the truth and you don't bring it forth, that's yeah. bad too.
8: Exactly.
1: You know, you can't keep silent about this. You know, you, you can't hide the gospel. You've got to share it. And unintentional sin is still sin. You're so right. You tolerating stuff will will not make people holy. God, in his grace, says, I need you to deal with this stuff in your community. Confess. Get it out. Get it done. Forgiveness is there, and and uh, which is actually a good thing. Um, Yeah, one of the problems of our our community around the world is our tolerance of sin, and it's a poor witness to a very, very holy God. Uh, Janet.
7: Yeah, I, I don't know if this relates to anything, but I'm just thinking of Zacchaeus, um, when he he made this confession to the Lord, not to the group, but he he's giving back half. He gave half of his money to the poor and uh, pays back four times. So I'm wondering if, you know, how, how this is sort of embedded in, you know, through Leviticus, he's giving okay he's He's doing four times back
1: um, there are so I don't think we've come across it yet, but there are commandments where you do pay uh four times
7: okay yeah. so yeah and and just this is this is going way back in our talk this morning about how how it's difficult for the rich man because he's you know he may have a whole lot more than just giving one one big animal, yeah, but it seems that that it's more, there's also the implication that he's he's doing more with his wealth. And also that for a rich person who has a position perhaps of pride, that having to confess his sin is a little bit different for him than for somebody who's, I mean, he might be used to being in a position of authority. So to admit to sin and, and doing what he needs to do about it is is different. But it all comes with how he's walking out the rest of his life with his wealth. I, I don't know quite how to say that. I mean, people who have wealth can feel sort of guilty
1: mm, that, that they're wealthy. They're
7: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, but what are, you, what are you doing with it? Yeah. You know, and um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, anyhow. That's right. You don't want
1: to make rich people feeling bad because they're blessed by the Lord and they're wealthy. That's, that's inappropriate. At the same yeah, time, be- we have to remember that, and and actually journey with them by saying, you know, Yeshua did say it's it's not being rich is not always all that it's cut out to be either. So um, we can all help each other worship the Lord. In fact, we all should, as brothers and sisters, as a holy people, desiring to actually be holy and more holy than we were yesterday, okay? and uh, to have more of the presence of God now than 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 mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, we should be encouraging each other in that we should be praying with each other in that and, and, and working through and and um and when sins crop up identifying them with each other and saying hey we gotta deal with that and uh, and and making our confessions or as james says one to another uh the epistle of john says to to the, the pastors or whatever shepherds you have um but, uh, but not ignoring it, not tolerating it, not keeping silent, but, but, uh, but jumping on it. And, and, that, and the promises are both for rich or poor, which is also a really good thing. And I really appreciate that, is that um, the, the, the wealthy are the people of God too. And, um, and they have just as much opportunity to worship the Lord as the poor do. And the poor have just as much opportunity to worship the Lord as the rich do and um, and that that is a nice little measure of grace
3: yeah when we look at today's um social system Mm -hmm. um that kind of give people privacy and um, you don't want to infringe on people's um, space um how do you deal with um not tolerating sin um in that kind of environment because um the church has become very worldly and of course the the vice versa the church has become and the world has become very churchy and we found ourselves in places that we 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 can see things, but we, we are not allowed to speak it's almost like a taboo when you speak about some things um i've found myself in such situation um um, my daughter, she's very vocal. She she sees somebody doing something that is wrong, and she's just out right there, pointing fingers and say that man is doing the wrong thing. And I say, please don't, not here, not here. we we'll go, we can discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want to um, get into that kind of confrontation. How do you deal with it in our today's world?
6: I think you have to be as aggressive as Jesus and God were, right? Like to Maddie's point at the beginning of the study and Ananias and Sapphira, I mean, he doesn't fool around. So I don't think if you're in a position of leadership, you have the chance to do that either. I mean, obviously you do it in an effective way, but like that passage in Matthew 18, you know, we got to go and we got to clean up, clean up, clean up the sheep. <laughs> Give them a good scrub. <laughs> and,
1: and I think uh, the, the pattern, the pattern in, the, in um, what we find in the gospels is obviously not to embarrass people in public per se but to, but to approach people privately and to say they you know you're my brother and as a brother I'm coming to you you know very humbly and actually a little sad and you know because there's sin in the camp and God is holy and you're holy and, and I'm trying to be holy you know, and we together are holy we got to we got to deal with this um and then and then there's all, all these patterns that 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 go before, but Shimshon, you're so right, and I'm. I'm not sure that any church actually has it right, although the gospels have it right. But uh, yeah, we we tolerate too much. We are silent too much. We haven't quite figured out how to deal with sin very well. And um, to the to the uh, yeah to the to the poor witness that then that, that comes about. Um, praise the Lord, God still wins, and he, and he figures out how to grow his church despite us. Um, but, uh, but that, is, that does not behoove us any responsibility at all from having to deal with sin, which we do, and uh, within, within our community, and to encourage each other to be a bit more holy. Okay, Roddy, um, only a few more comments, guys, and then we're going to wrap it up.
10: I, th- I just read, um, I think it was from you, you said that the new covenant in Jeremiah 31 and got, involves God remembering sins no more, but it has nothing to do with any of the feasts. I'm not sure I understand that, but I would, I would, I'd probably have to disagree with you because the very part of very first part says God will put His Torah on your inward parts and cut it into your heart. Yep, yep. And and so part of the Torah is going to be the feast.
1: Yes, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to be all the, all the covenants. It's going to be Abraham, Mosaic, yeah, Sinai, right. David, Pentecost, et etc., etc. The, the The point I was referring to there is um, that when it says, when Yeshua says this is the, my blood of the new covenant, which takes away the sins of the world, remember, it's at Passover when he's saying that, which is not a, a sacrifice for sin. And so right. sometimes we then leap to, you know, Jesus is our Yom Kippur sacrifice. Well, if that's true, why didn't he come at Yom Kippur? Whereas the actual covenant, the promise in Jeremiah, remember, the, co- the Mosaic covenant was broken even before Moses got down the mountain.
8: Mm-hmm.
1: Remember, remember that? Yeah. Okay. But even before, okay, okay, done, we're broken. That, mm-hmm. and so, um, but that doesn't uh, nullify the Abrahamic promises. It doesn't nullify promises to, to David. It doesn't nullify exactly. promises to so, Peter. So there was always going to be a need for a new covenant because the other one was broken. And, um, and so Jeremiah prophesies there will be a new covenant, and it won't be like the other one, you know, the one we broke on the mountain before we even got down. Um, this one's going to have the Torah on our hearts. Torah doesn't disappear. It's going to be on your heart. You're absolutely right. And the conclusion is I will remember. It's a beautiful promise. I will remember your sin no more. Can God forget? No. But can he choose not to remember? Yes. What a gift you and I probably struggle with that bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, uh, Yvonne and then Teresa, and then we will have to call it a night.
7: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so expiation by sacrifice, it's its the unintentionality, right? And and if the person is, there's remorse and there's reparation, but the, the one uh, about lying under oath in a sense is an intentional crime. Yep, But I see God's grace there because, in a sense, the priests allow for this person to pay whatever this reparation, bending kind of the rules in a sense, and um, allowing for this deliberate crime that they do to be, to be uh, forgiven. So that's something interesting. And the other thing um, is the, two, the difference between purification and reparation. The purification it expiates pollution when the sand, like this uh, when the holy you know the temple or the holy I- items or whatever it expiates for pollution but it's contagious. Reparation it also it, it's it, it desecrates but it's non-contagious. The person that goes up there it's only the committer so whatever he did he goes and he's he's forgiven. But, but the difference between the purification and the reparation is something very serious because the the reparation the person. Again, he comes back to God. He has the, he reestablishes relationship with the Lord. Um, but the purification, if it's not uh, there's no rep, there, if you don't ex, ex, have an, um, if you don't expiate for the pollution, then it will drive uh, Israel out of the land and eventually God out of Israel. So there there is a difference between the yeah. uh, the purification yeah. and the reparation.
1: It reminds us that sin is is has a consequence. Very much so. And that's, I think, why this passage is also a good passage on grace because God wants to deal with it and get back to holiness again, which is mm-hmm. what we see, I think, a lot in this, in, this, in this chapter. One last comment from London. And then, honestly, I'm going to bless you guys. Have a great Shabbat. <laughs> Teresa, you're up, and then mm-hmm. we'll break.
8: Okay. Hello from London again. Um, I will be very brief. I'm just commenting on what Shimshon was saying about the church and tolerance, and it's a it's a small point, but I do think, in a way, we have to remember, and it's something we can we can all be guilty of, and that is there's not enough courage to actually come out with the truth, mm. because we might be disliked or unpopular or attacked, and it's a very hard thing in some on some occasions. To actually come out with God's truth. And, and obviously, there are ways we have to learn to do it, which, you know, so we don't kind of murder somebody with our tongue. But I, I just wanted to make that point because I think, you know, we can easily say, oh, the church is really bad, but we're all members of that church. And yeah. it can be. <laughs> let's face the fact that it can be actually really hard to, to um, hold on to the truth. And yet it is something we are called to do.
1: Oh Thank you very much. May you all have the courage by the grace of God and by his Holy Spirit to preach the truth. May you all have the wisdom of heaven to know how to approach a brother and lead them back to holiness because that's going to be a good thing and reflect um, the people of God as the character of God to the world that needs it so much. May we all have that.
8: Thank you for
0: listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org Blessings from the City of the Great King.